Hello, everybody, and welcome to Creativity Lives Here, a podcast designed to support you with tapping into your peak creative potential through eye-opening conversations and inspiring solo casts. And welcome to episode 19. As I'm recording this little introduction, it is snowing like crazy outside, which is kind of cool. I've never been much of a winter person, but it is January now, so I know that spring is just around the corner, and I'm kind of enjoying the the intense snow that's happening right now. I tried to take a walk today. Well, I did take a walk today, um, but there was pretty much a blizzard going on and I could hardly see where I was going because I had to like wrap my face in my hood and it was definitely an experience, but it, it helped to rejuvenate me. And I have to say for anybody who is struggling with dark and cold winter months right now, For me, taking a daily walk has been such a game changer. So I normally take a walk after my lunch and after I take a short 10 to 15 minute power nap. And then taking that walk really fills me up with the second burst of energy and creative inspiration um, for the rest of the afternoon. So It's pretty cool. I feel like my peak creative time used to just be in the morning, but I found that by taking these walks, I've kind of outsmarted my system, and now I have this second chunk of peak creative time in the afternoon, which has been really wonderful um, for my creative output and my productivity and and just my overall well-being and happiness. So just wanted to share that little tidbit with you. And now on to today's conversation. Today I'm sharing a conversation with someone called Stephanie Meister, who is a psychologist and a career coach at Stednitz Design Your Life, which is a boutique coaching company in Zurich, Switzerland. Stephanie is also a world traveler and a New Zealander or a Kiwi, as people from New Zealand are sometimes called. One of Stephanie's superpowers is supporting her clients with finding clarity in their lives and careers. And in today's conversation, we speak about her work as a career coach But we also dig much deeper and Stephanie shares some really beautiful wisdom for those feeling like their current jobs or careers aren't giving them enough of a creative outlet. We also talk about how many countries Stephanie has visited and what a volcano in Bali and a boiled egg have in common. So if you want to find out about that, you're going to want to listen until the end. And as I always like to say, cozy up, get comfy as you listen to this episode. I feel especially compelled to say that right now, um, given a snowy landscape in front of me as I look out the window. 
And if the sun is shining wherever you are, then power to you. I'm a little bit jealous. So that's it for today's intro. And I wish you all a beautiful week. Let's dive into today's episode. So I grew up in New Zealand. Um, I was raised there in the North Island. And uh, for a better part of my childhood, we lived on uh, a, a lifestyle block, kind of like a small farm. So we had a lot of animals, um, cats, uh, no, no dogs, <laughs> cats, pigs, chickens, cows, goats, one sheep, thought it was a goat. Um, but I just, I really loved that time. And I feel like it, it kind of set the scene for what's so important to me now in my life that I really love that freedom of having some space to run outside, to, to enjoy the sunshine, to, uh, you know, be creative in, in, with nature and, you know, what's growing outside, what kind of things are in our garden or, or playing with the animals. And, uh, that was just something that still is very close to my heart now. Um, when I was 14 years old, I moved with my family to Switzerland. Uh, my grandparents were Swiss, uh, so that was the connection that we had. And the original plan was to move for one to two years so that we could experience the Swiss culture and take advantage of the travel opportunities. And it just kind of moved on from there. And we're still here now, 13 years later. And... uh that was such an adventure at the time. And I think back to my, my old self then, um, you know, had I, had I known that I would have been coming for this long, had I known if it wasn't a, a one to two year plan after all, uh, would I still have been so open to this adventure? But when I think about everything that I've experienced since then, so I went straight into the local, uh, Swiss, school without any language whatsoever. Um, I attended a bilingual uh, secondary school and then ended up studying psychology uh, at a univer- at the University of Zurich in German um, and getting my master's degree in psychology. Um, so looking at everything that I've been able to achieve uh, in spite of a, an original language barrier, um, that's something that I'm really proud of. And today I'm working as a coach uh, at Stednitz Design Your Life and working with clients um, from kids to teenagers to adults, um, helping them discover their potential and uh, really loving what I do at the moment. So that's where I am today. Awesome. I still think it's so amazing how you learned German. To be honest, I also think it's amazing how we learn German, but... I can only credit the way that we learned it for that. I mean, we were just thrown in the deep end and we didn't have a choice, but I feel like that was the exactly the right thing to do because when you don't have a choice, you just have to try and you just have to make things up and, and be creative and trying to communicate without using language. Uh, but because of that, we learned so fast and you have to be open you have to be open to it and you have to be open to laughing at yourself and you have to be open to making mistakes. But at the end of the day, I'm so glad that we did that because I feel I wouldn't have learned it as well uh, if I'd tried to learn it at an English school. 
It's beautiful because I feel like you really bring that spirit to your work with clients as well. The sense of, you know, just dive in, do it, even if you feel like a fool at first. There is there is nothing I feel I'm more passionate about than than encouraging my clients to do that because I, I do speak from experience and, you know, not only the, you know, moving to Switzerland part, but all of the things that I'm most proud of were things that I wasn't sure I was capable of or I wasn't sure I was good enough to do that. And it was always someone else that was saying, I have complete faith in you. I know that you can do this. Uh, you know, there's, there's not even a question. You are going to do this, that, you know, um, which, and I ended up doing it and it ended up being successful. And I really try and encourage my clients, you know, don't let those, those doubts hold you back because there will always be doubts. You see the most capable people, you see experts in their field and they're still, they still have doubts. You know, it shouldn't be that that's going to hold you back. And usually it doesn't work the first time, but that doesn't mean that you should stop. Uh, I mean, everyone knows my German the first week was, you know, it was not the same as my German in the first month. And even, even within that, after a year, I felt like I was almost fluent in German. And then after a year and a half, I felt like I was going backwards, that I'd stagnated. And then, you know, it doesn't mean that you stop. You just keep going. I so agree with that. Actually, lately, I've really made it a point of not taking myself so seriously, but not in a way that is disempowering or, or self-deprecating, but rather like I'm okay with sometimes feeling like a fool. And and I've created this image of myself lately of, of whenever I'm doing something that feels kind of intimidating or that I know that I'm not necessarily going to be good at at first, I have this image in my mind of like, a little duckling or a goat or something plodding through mud and looking really clumsy. And I don't know, that helps me with like doing things where I don't feel like I'm perfect right away. Um, but I digress. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I mean, one of my favorite things is that finished beats perfect every time. Yes. So it doesn't have to be perfect and you, you just have to try and you just have to put it out there. And I agree, having a, a childlike air about that can, can make it playful and can make it fun and can take some of that pressure away from feeling like it, it has to be perfect because otherwise you're never going to finish. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I love that quote too. So as you mentioned, you are now working as a career coach. How did you find your career direction? That's a great question. Uh, because it has changed over the years. Um, when I was little, I wanted to be a pop star. Very really? passionate. Yeah. I wrote songs, practiced, performed. Yeah. Do you sing? Not as much anymore. More of like a okay. shower thing. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and then I went through a phase where I was really interested in journalism. Uh, because I loved creative, creative writing, always had loved creative writing and thought that journalism would be kind of a channel for me to, to, to put that into. Um, and then moving to Switzerland kind of put a block on that because I didn't want to do creative writing in German or, or didn't think that I was capable of 
creatively expressing myself in in a second language. So I was a little bit unsure there for a while. Um, but then in secondary school, I had this amazing teacher who really became my mentor, uh, who taught us in psychology. And she was so knowledgeable and she was such an expert in her field. And I was just so impressed by how she could really teach that to us. You know, I, I know a lot of experts who aren't capable of, of teaching, of explaining, and she could really break down these really intense experiences that she'd had throughout her career as a psychologist, but also a therapist, and bring it to our level as, as 17, 18-year-olds just starting to learn about psychology. And that really ignited my passion that I kind of always had uh, about people and and how people work and, and why they act the way they do and what what makes them tick. And, um, yeah, I've always been a very social person and that kind of came out then that studying psychology would be the perfect direction for me. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, that teacher actually advised, advised me against studying psychology because of how academic the – the study of psychology is. She just said, look, I know that you're such a hands-on person, such a creative person, and the study of psychology is very theoretical. You know, you're learning about different methods. You're learning about how to create a questionnaire. You're learning about statistics. And there's a lot of things in there that could really hinder your passion to finish a study like that. But I didn't really know what else to do, so so I studied psychology anyway, and I can agree with her now <laughs> that it, it was very theoretical, and it was, you know, some of the subject matter was dry, and it's just such a huge area to study. There's so many different directions you can go, and you can't uh, really set a focus until much later on in your studies, so you're really learning everything in the beginning. Um, from, you know, neuropsychology to developmental psychology, social psychology, but also things like test theory. Um, but I just found all of it fascinating because I, I had an ultimate goal and, and I knew what I wanted to be. And, and that was so important to me at the time that it actually didn't matter if I found this particular subject interesting or not, because I knew that this was my thing and this was where I wanted to go. And, I really try and encourage my clients as well to really listen to that, that voice of your interests and your passions, because that is what is going to keep you going in those boring or difficult or dry subjects or really challenging subjects. That passion and that goal that you have is going to keep you striving to finish. Um, which I also experienced. And I'm so glad that I did, that I, that I kept going, even if I didn't pass every exam the first time or, or if I, you know, struggled writing this or that paper, that at the end of the day, I'm so glad that I did it. I think that's such a good point because I feel like actually in any career path, you'll come across experiences or steps that are going to feel boring or dry or like they don't resonate um, and having this idea of a a bigger goal in mind and having that be the thing that keeps you going is essential. Mm. Um, and I think it's also an illusion that there is any one um, 
career path or endeavor where you're going to enjoy every single piece of it. Definitely the exception, I would say, than, right. than the rule. Yeah. Um, I mean, later on, I do say this, later on you have a bit more freedom, yeah. you know, especially when you're in the workplace, you can delegate tasks and you can say, look, this is not my strength. We should get someone else to do this. Um, and you can really focus on what you're passionate about. But I agree there is, I don't believe there's any career path that solely encompasses the things that you're passionate about. There will always be some administrative work waiting for you or some paperwork or, you know, something that just isn't really your thing. Yeah, totally. So how would you say that creativity shows up in your work now? This is always one of my favorite questions to ask people who are doing things that on the surface might not seem super creative. Um, but I know that there's definitely a creative element to the work that you do as well. So I'd love to hear about that. I think that the work that I do is is so creative, but it's not a creative artistic. It's like a discovery type of creativity. Ooh. And with every client, I do a deep dive to get to know them and to find out what makes them tick and what their passions are and what they're interested in. And it's my job as a coach to kind of put that in perspective for them. A lot of the times they already know, but they just haven't heard it in that way. You know, and if I can listen to what they're saying and then summarize it for them, a lot of the times they're like, oh, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. You know, and, and really showing them maybe um, we're looking at their their career path that they've had until now. And I'm saying, well, look, these were the times that you said that you really enjoyed whatever it was that you were doing. And in your private life, you've also said this is the thing that you love doing with your friends, with your family, and in, in whatever situation. This is what you need to be incorporating into your work now. And it doesn't mean that you have to change your career direction. It just means that this is what you need to be bringing in because this is what you love. And this is what is going to make you happy and is what is going to make your career fulfilling. And it's really interesting that a lot of people don't see that about themselves. They don't see the creativity that they have or that they have already manifested. It could be innovation. It could be new ideas. It could be a different way of, of looking at things. Um, and I feel that it's my job to just give the client space to be completely themselves and that's when they start to really show, you know, their true being. And then it's my job to really reflect that to them and say, look, this is, this is where you are. This is what is going to be right for you at the end of the day. Mm, so beautiful. How would you say you go about creating that space? At the start, it's all about resonance. I need to get an idea of where the client is at and, and meet them there. And that takes a lot of perception at the beginning. Um, not every client is, is open from the start. Not every client is, is motivated at the start. You know, some of them are a bit worried or a bit nervous. Maybe someone else told them to come here. And so they're still a bit reserved. And I just have to kind of tap into it and find out where they're at. And a good way of doing that is to 
ask them about something, a project or something that they love doing or an interest and really get them just to tell me about that. Because people not people say, you know, people love talking about themselves, but not necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but people love talking about their interests or something that they love doing. And so if we find that thing, then they are opening up to me and I can see what it is about that that makes them love it. And I really want to know. So I'll ask, oh, do you have, do you have a recording of that song that you said that you, you made? Or, or do you have some pictures of the artwork that you said that you created? Or, oh, you said that you, um, you were really proud of your, um, your thesis. Do you have something that you could send me? I'd, I'd really love to look at it. And, and that's a genuine interest from me. And that just really opens the floor for the client to share more about themselves because they realize that this is a place where they can feel comfortable and they can share about whatever it is that they love, if it's conventional or not. And we always make a point of saying at the beginning of the coaching that, yes, it is a career coaching, but it's not limited to a career coaching, that we can talk about whatever is relevant for them um, and that they can talk about their wishes in their private life or their hobbies that they'd wish that they could make into something more. Um, and I feel like that's always a bit of a turning point when we get there that the creative work then starts. That makes so much sense to me because I feel like our careers are not something that's isolated in our lives. It's just a piece of kind of the whole puzzle of our lives. And that piece has to, harmonize with everything else. Absolutely. Uh, so many people um, come to us and say that they have a really successful career, but they're not happy and they're not feeling fulfilled and they're not, you know, they used to be so creative and they used to be so motivated and so passionate and they're just not anymore. And that's where they've lost that puzzle piece that connects the two. So we have to try and find out how can we connect these back together again? And like I said, that doesn't mean you have to change your career, but it could be just incorporating the parts that you love back into it instead of making it such a chore. Mm. That's so beautiful. And hearing you speak, it also sounds like in a way each of your clients are almost like a little creative project <laughs> that you get to work on. Um, I'm curious when you are working with a client and you kind of put all these puzzle pieces together, do you ever get insights that seem to come kind of out of the blue that might not make sense at first, but then you share them with your client and they resonate? Does that ever happen to you? Or Yes. Um, sometimes it might be something that an, an idea that occurs to me on the spur of the moment that I just say, oh, actually looking at this, it kind of points to this. And then more often than not, they'll actually say, oh, yeah, actually, I, I really loved doing that at, during high school. Or, oh, yeah, that was, you know, I, I used to do that. Or that was a career path I looked into a year ago, but then for some reason I didn't follow it through. Um, and they're always so interested as to how that then came to me. And, and usually I just say, look, these are the puzzle pieces and it just, it does point to this. 
you know, and it just, sometimes it does take an outside person to see that. That's cool. Another question I had for you is, and, and you've already kind of spoken about this, but so from the perspective of a career coach, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give someone who feels like their current job or career isn't giving them enough of a creative outlet? The first thing that I would recommend is try and get some space. A lot of the times, um, it's not that there aren't creative opportunities. It's that we're missing them because of stress or, um, you, you know, you can't see the, the forest for all of the trees, you know, all of the things you have to do that you've, you've forgotten about the other part of it. Um, maybe you're drowning in paperwork and you forgot that actually something that you really loved was, was writing a blog. Uh, which also has to do with paperwork, but it's just you've you've lost that part. And so it's really helpful just to take a step back and just create some space. If you can do it in your workday, all the better, but maybe just take a break or in when you um when you kick off for the day, just go for a walk and just think about what you really enjoy. And you know, it doesn't have to be an active process. It might just come to you. You don't have to force it. Or you might just be, I'm not sure, baking with your kids and realizing like, actually, this is what I really love. You know, what is it about this that just lights me up? And how can I put that into my work? You know, and if it's baking with your kids, is it the baking itself? Or is it, you know, the human interaction that you have? Is it the teaching and the helping and the guiding that's something that you could incorporate? It doesn't always have to be a face value. Um, and that's the kind of thing that you can then try to incorporate into your job. Um, and what I also would recommend, a lot of people have never opened the discussion with their, their supervisor or their boss about the opportunities in their job. A lot of people take their jobs as what they are, but there is a lot to be said for just opening the discussion and just saying to your boss, look, this and this and this is what I'm good at. That's what I love doing. I'd really like to do more of this. Uh, and I feel like this would benefit our work in the following ways. Or this is something I'm really struggling with. I've kept at it for six months. I am doing my best, but I feel like it's not the best it could be. Maybe this is something that we could pass on to someone else. And so many supervisors and bosses and and people and managers are really open to those discussions because at the end of the day, it's productivity for the entire company and it's work satisfaction and happiness for all of the employees that people are doing what they're good at and people are doing what they love. And of course, it might not be the whole job, but incorporating little parts of that into your job can make the world of difference. Um, And I, I just invite everyone to just start that discussion. And maybe the first step for that is to get to know yourself a bit better and find out what is it that I'm really good at and and what is it that really lights me up and what I'm passionate about. And that's really our goal here or my goal as a a career coach to, to find that for everyone. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. So really taking ownership 
taking ownership back over your your job and your career. Yeah. And making it yours rather than something that you're just doing for someone else. Exactly. And I feel that you're you're doing other people a favor if you put your strengths first. You know, your manager might not be able to see each person's in the team's individual strengths and try and figure out how they can incorporate that into their work. You know, that would be great, but it's not necessarily his job and it's not necessarily possible to know everyone that well. So it's really your job as a person and as an employee to put your strengths first, to help your work, but also to help the company as a whole. And that's something that uh, supervisors really like to see that's showing initiative. And that's always been a good thing. Absolutely. And and how would you say that applies to people who are self-employed? Um, because I know there you can actually also fall into a trap of doing a lot of things that you don't enjoy. So do you have any insights on that? I Yeah. I mean, I've heard of a lot of people who are trying to do everything themselves. Mm. And that's really what sucks the fun out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> something I'm working on too. (laughs) Um, And I I just like to look at it that, I mean, if if it's a startup, there are not a lot of resources. So maybe at the start you will, you have to knuckle down, you have to do some all-nighters, you have to try and get that stuff done. But at the end of the day, you need to decide what it's worth to you to do that or not. So if you think, well, I could do all of this administrative work, but it's going to take me a long time because I'm not really... I don't really know what I'm doing just yet. I'm not really in practice, um, but I would save myself money, I guess, if I do it myself. But at the end of the day, you could save yourself maybe 12 hours of work if you pay someone else to do it in three. Yeah. And that person is someone who will love to do it and who will do it well and who will do it fast. So, yeah, maybe just figure out what it is worth to you and definitely freelance. Ask for help always. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Um, and that can be a networking thing. That can be on a give, or, give and take basis. I'll help you with this part of your work if you help me with this part of my work. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be um, dependent on finances. But I feel like even if you're self-employed, there are definite ways to play your strengths and not try and do everything yourself. I agree with you. And I, I agree as well with what you're saying about how it gets better over time. Um, I think as a self-employed person myself, I, I find that oftentimes at the beginning you are doing more and that may not only be due to not having resources to employ a lot of people, but also I feel like it's necessary at first. So you can really become familiar with every part of your processes. Mm -hmm. And then once you've gained that familiarity, then you can delegate because you know actually what to delegate, if that makes sense. That you know the process. Right. I think that's, I think that's a really good idea. Uh, And definitely I agree at the start that something that is important for you to get to know your business and get to know the work that you're in at a later point, the danger is that you get into micromanaging. So true. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also if you have that personality, then it, it can be a slippery slope. Mm. Um, so definitely important to maintain that awareness. Um, I also wanted to circle back a little bit to something you said right at the beginning. Okay. Um, you were sharing so many beautiful things. I didn't want to stop you. But 
Um, you spoke about space and how important it is to create that space for creativity. And it's so interesting that you brought that up because that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. And I've really started to observe that actually a big obstacle that is in the way of people really embarking on their creative projects or interests is that they don't have that space. Mm. Um, so I loved what you said about just finding little moments to um, carve carve out that space to really begin exploring again. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't have to be, okay, I have this 10-minute block and I'm going to be creative. <laughs> right. You know, it can just be I'm going to go for a walk. And I'm just going to look around and really see. So many people don't see their surroundings anymore. They don't look uh, at the color of the leaves or the shape of that tree or the snow on the ground today, for example. They don't see it. And just things like that without any pressure of I'm going to be creative or I'm going to make space and I'm not allowed to think about work in these 10 minutes. Just don't even worry about that. And I really I love this uh this idea that instead of thinking I'm not allowed to think about that and I'm not allowed to think about that, you really turn that around and say, I'm just going to listen. Mm. I'm just going to listen and just see what comes. And what comes will come and I'll let it pass by. But I'm just going to listen because I feel like reoccurring thoughts, they do have a purpose and we need to acknowledge them before we can let them rest. And it doesn't mean that we have to solve them, but it just means that we have to acknowledge that they're there and that we'll, we'll get back to it, we'll come around to it, we'll work on it. Um, but we need to name it before we can move on to enjoying that space because otherwise it'll be hanging over our heads, you know. It's almost like the more resistance you build up towards reoccurring thoughts – the longer they'll stay or the stronger they'll get. Right. Right. And I love that about just listening. That's really beautiful. And I've never looked at it in that way before. I'll have to try that. <laughs> I love that. Um, one final question I wanted to ask you is um, a lot of people hold this belief that if creativity is a part of their work or their job or their career, then somehow that career, say, is less reliable or less serious um, or maybe not as stable. What are your thoughts on that? I think the two are not mutually exclusive. Why would being creative make your job any less serious? But on the other hand, why does your job have to be that serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there is nothing more impressive than someone who knows what they love doing and can have fun with something and can be creative about it and still be very productive and very professional. And that's what we should aspire to be like. We don't want to be you know, the boring nine to five stuck in the ways always has to be done like this. No room for flexibility, serious job where, <laughs> where we could do something very similar to that, but make it so much more fun and creative and open and flexible that will really invite creativity in to show itself where 
where it will. Yeah, that's that's all so true. And you're right, the two aren't mutually exclusive. And lately, I've also really been allowing myself to kind of similar what I said said at the beginning of this conversation about the image of the plodding duckling. I've really been inviting myself to play more and laugh more and um and really, at the end of the day, that kind of attitude leads to more fun and therefore more productivity. And you're still, you can still get a lot of work done. And more social interaction. Right. And I feel that social interaction is always a great source of creativity because yeah. you're, you know, you're opening up for other people's perspectives and ideas and experiences. And that can be so inspiring just talking to other people about, something they might have done recently, a problem they might have solved recently, or or just chatting about what you did at the weekend. They're just it can bring you to new ideas and new perspectives. Uh and I think that's so valuable, especially in this day and age. Yeah, very true. Very true. Actually one final question I have for you. This is totally unrelated to everything we just spoke about, but I know that travel plays a really important part in your life. And I just want to know, how many countries have you visited, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you ask. I, uh, we have this ongoing thing with my family um, that we have to have at least as many countries as our age. Oh, wow. Wait, so if you live to be 150, well, you'll then. have to... <laughs> <laughs> then I might have seen all the countries. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Luckily, moving to Switzerland comes with so many great travel opportunities and we really have made the most of it. And you're absolutely right. It's something that I'm so passionate about that I love that lights me up and gives me energy for my day-to-day life and always grounds me and makes me realize how lucky I am to have what I have. And these experiences that I have had the chance to make will always benefit me as a coach so that I can help people to make their own experiences. So uh, without uh, letting you know how old that I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) I can tell you that I have uh, visited 29 countries. Oh, wow. So far. Wow. Which ones have been your favorites? Oh, wow. So many, each country has its own thing to, to offer, but I loved Bali. Mm. And oh, for, I've always wanted to go there. Yeah. And for me, it's not, it's not necessarily the country as a whole, but the, the experience that, that I had there. So in Bali, we hiked up a volcano to see the sunrise and it was an active volcano, which was still hot. So we could dig a hole and uh, hard-boiled eggs wow and so we ate, a, we ate a little hard-boiled egg for breakfast while watching the sunrise and that is something i will wow. never forget or dancing in in cuba it turns out women will, are not allowed to dance alone in cuba so the, we just got what do you call that we got whirled away <laughs> by two cuban guys saying oh you are you are not allowed to dance alone. That's too sad. You have to dance with us. <laughs> and so dancing salsa in like an open air bar in Cuba with, with two people we, we had never met before and will probably never meet again, but it, it was such a fun night. 
Uh, and those are just the things that, that stay with you. And if I hadn't been open to that at the time, then it would have been quite a different experience. So mm. I really admire your sense of adventure and your openness. Well, I guess I've learned that as well in moving to Switzerland. Yeah. That was the first, that was the first jump. Uh, and since then, every other travel has seemed so much less intimidating because of that. <laughs> That's, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. So cool. So before we dive into our quick fire round, mm -hmm. um, where can the listeners find, find out more about you and your work? So you can find me on the Stednitz homepage. Um, I think it's stednitz.ch forward slash Stephanie Meister. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, if you'd like to send me a message on LinkedIn, I'm always happy to meet new people uh, and hear about your experiences and, and what you've been up to and uh, how you're creative in everyday life. Cool. And I'll put all of that information down in the show notes. Are you ready for the quick fire round? I am ready. Hit me. <laughs> First question. What is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? Oh, inspiring snack. I would have to say apple with peanut butter. Ooh. Can't go past it. I love, I love like fruits with almond butter. Oh. My nut butter of choice is almond butter, but I agree with you. That combination is really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet, but also kind of tangy, hits yeah. the spot. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> when is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, evening, or at night? I'm a night owl. Really? Yeah. So I always get a second wind around 7, 8 p.m. That's, Interesting. That's when I'm at my most creative and also productive. Um, so I come home from work and I wind down, but then I actually wind back up again. <laughs> Okay, so because you do have a nine to five job, I more do. or less, I do. So, what do you actually do during that time, <laughs> if I may ask? <laughs> Usually, that time is reserved for me. Cool. So, I might do a workout. I might mm. work on some projects of my own. Awesome. I might be planning my holidays or my next travel. <laughs> um, but it is often the case that you know I might just be mulling over some work that I've done with a client recently, and that's kind of when my ideas happen. And I'll always jot that down and be like, oh, actually, this is what we should do with this client. So I jot it down and then I get to it the next morning. Cool. But in the evening, that's when the the ideas come. That's awesome. It's kind of like your inspiration receiving zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've always been like, that. Yeah, yeah, after lunch, I just, you can't use me for a couple of hours. <laughs> I always do my yeah. admin work after lunch because it doesn't need a lot of brain power. Uh, whereas in the evening, I could just go for hours. Interesting. Yeah, after, right after lunch is a tough one for me too. Interestingly, lately, I've become more creative right like right around after 2.33. Okay. Which never used to be the case for me. So I wonder what's happened in my, I don't know, in my chemistry. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> um, coffee or tea? I think you know the answer to that one. It's tea. <laughs> You're the first one who said tea. <laughs> I know. Everyone thinks I'm weird. <laughs> no, I don't think it's it must weird be at my, all. My British, uh, you know, heritage from New Zealand that we just love our tea. Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind? Depends on the time of day. Morning, uh, I love green tea. Start the day off right. Uh, <laughs> then I usually have a black tea with milk, 
typical English builder's tea, as you say. And then in the afternoon, I do more herbal teas, like ginger and lemon is lovely. In the evening, chamomile. Do you have a really big tea collection? At I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Embarrassingly big. There's, there's backup in, in, the, uh, in the attic. <laughs> oh, wow, in case you run out. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate or tea? Chocolate like hot chocolate? No. Or like a bar of chocolate? Normally ask people coffee or chocolate. Ah, but since you don't so like... So if I had to choose... Yeah. Tea. Okay. okay. <laughs> do you even like chocolate or... I do. Okay. But I'm not... I know some people if they have a chocolate bar next to them, they can't leave it alone. Yeah. I'm not that person. Okay. I'm like that with chips. <laughs> oh, so tea or chips. Chips. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason I don't have chips in my household. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way, right? Just yeah. not have it. <laughs> what kind of music stirs your creativity? I love music as a whole, and especially music with depth to it. Mm. So if that's classical music, if that's electronic music that builds and builds, um, I also love like the pentatonics, like the acapella music because I'm always so impressed what people can do with their voices and their bodies that always really inspires me cool very cool and finally what does creativity mean to you I feel that it's it's ever evolving mm. it used to be more the artistic creativity it was drawing and, and writing songs and and making things up um performing being creative like that but nowadays i feel that it's it's anything that is out of the ordinary and is a bit different from the status quo and that could be mm. you know an idea or a different way to cook a new herb that i'm putting in my cooking or you know new ways of creating my my workout routine to keep it fun and to keep it uh, exciting so Creativity to me, I guess, is just being open to trying something different and seeing where that process leads you.